WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by the Town Crier Wire. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. A new program to treat inmates struggling with opioid addictions has been approved for the Berrien County Jail. At a meeting today, the Berrien County Board of Commissioners signed off on a one-year pilot of the MAP program. Berrien County Undersheriff Chuck Height tells us MAT, or medication-assisted treatment, involves not only that, but counseling to keep an inmate on the right path. There'll be a company we're dealing with in the one-year pilot that will help you know, identify that and then do the treatment and therapy. So it's not just the medication, but therapy and along with that. And then they'll start looking at the discharge process right away. Because, you know, in a jail, someone could be bonded out or released. So it's helping to make sure that they've got the help they need when they get out as well, which, again, helps with any overdose death, but also helps reduce the chances of them coming back to jail as well. Height says one of the most important parts of the program involves the inmate post-release. That's because a lot of the overdoses seen by the Sheriff's Department occur after release. The county board approved the one-year pilot at a cost of $180,000 to be taken from the county's share of a massive settlement with opioid manufacturers. Height says the Sheriff's Department could identify other funding sources like grants after the pilot period is up. The Berrien County Board of Commissioners has agreed to pay a $10,000 settlement over the county's possible role in contributing to the contamination at a Superfund site in Detroit. Speaking to the board today, Corporate Counsel Thaddeus Hackworth said the owners of the site sent the county a letter a few weeks ago saying, under the Superfund law, the county could be held liable for its role in the contamination. The letter indicated, alleged, that the Berrien County Road Commission contributed hazardous substances to the site about 30 years ago. The letter also indicated that in exchange for a payment of $10,000 from the county, the current owner would release the county and the Road Commission from all claims of liability associated with CERCLA. Hackworth said the letter's accusation was a, quote, reasonable allegation. The property's owner offered the county a chance to settle the matter with a $10,000 payment, and Hackworth recommended the Board of Commissioners accept. He said fighting the matter in court would quickly become more expensive than the settlement. Commissioners unanimously agreed. Chair Mac Elliott said he doesn't recall exactly what this is all about, but the payment will, quote, give us closure. The county board has accepted a $925,000 grant for the next phase of the Red Arrow Highway Linear Trail. Southwest Michigan Planning Commission Senior Planner Marcy Hamilton tells us the trail runs right along the side of Red Arrow Highway, and its goal is to connect New Buffalo and Bridgman. But that's not all. The goal is ultimately to have this pathway connecting all the way from New Buffalo to Bridgman and ultimately up to St. Joe and South Haven where it connects into the Calhaven Trail, which will eventually get you all the way to Port Huron. The state TAP grant accepted this week by the board will pay for another section of the trail to be completed. Approved today as part of the project is the section from US-12 to Community Hall Road. And at Community Hall Road, it'll tie into an existing trail that goes through Union Pier. Hamilton said they're gradually finishing the Red Arrow Highway Linear Trail piece by piece. In areas where Red Arrow Highway has been reduced to three lanes, it's easier to install the trail. However, she notes in some areas, like near Bridgman, it'll be more difficult. The Southwest Michigan Planning Commission is in talks with the DNR to run some of the trail through Warren Dunes State Park, and the DNR's already done some engineering on the idea. As for the work approved this week, bids will go out in April, and construction could take place about this time next year. Berrien County Commissioner Shokwe Pitchford is serving on an 18-member committee of county officials from around the country to explore the implications of artificial intelligence. 
He told colleagues at today's meeting the committee is part of the National Association of Counties. To my colleagues, this is a really big issue. Everything from when you go on a website and you're asking to talk to someone directly and you get that AI thing that pops back at you and then it has those three little bubbles like it's thinking. It's not. It's a mathematical algorithm. And we're starting to get accustomed to thinking that these computers have personalities and that we can interact with them. Pitchford says AI creates all sorts of ethical questions like the value of work when the person doing it is just relying on AI. The committee on which he's serving includes six county commissioners, and its goal is to draft policy recommendations for Congress. Pitchford says he's excited to be a part of it. A pawpaw woman has been charged in a June crash that killed a one-year-old girl. The Van Buren County Sheriff's Department says the wreck happened on M40 between 40th Avenue and 44th Avenue on June 2nd. Traffic was slowing down as a vehicle was trying to make a left turn when a Chevrolet Colorado rear-ended a Toyota Highlander. The child who died was in the Highlander, while the five-year-old in the vehicle suffered a broken collarbone. 60-year-old Roxanne Bastian, who had been driving the Chevy, was hospitalized. She's now been charged with reckless driving, causing death, and reckless driving, causing serious injuries in the death of Agnes Conklin and in the injury of Conklin's five-year-old sister. Bastian was arraigned at the Pawpaw 7th District Court this week. Southwestern Michigan College is hoping to grow its e-sports program in the coming year. SMC Director of Campus Life Jeff Hooks tells us as e-sports have been growing in popularity, the college created an e-sports arena just before COVID hit. In our IT building, we had a lounge that didn't get a lot of use, so we actually converted that into an arena. One wall is completely all glass that leads out into the lobby, so it's easy for people to kind of sit and watch people play. It's fitted with 12 state-of-the-art PCs for the athlete gamers to compete. Hooks says the program has always been student-led, and the team now competes mostly online. A recent $25,000 donation from Midwest Energy and Communications will enable it to do even more. Updating the equipment, because that's one of the things about PC gaming, is that those stations have to get updated on a pretty regular basis to stay competitive. So keeping the equipment up-to-date, potentially paying for new jerseys, things like that. The arena has now been named the Midwest Energy and Communications Esports Arena. The esports team currently has six members, but Hooks expects it will grow when the new academic year begins. The Roadrunners compete in Rocket League and Valorant. A plan to fix up the Bobo Brazil Community Center in Benton Harbor could be in the works. Speaking to the Benton Harbor Personnel and Finance Committee this week, Assistant City Manager Alex Little said he's learned of a funding opportunity through HUD. We're permitted to apply for up to $2.5 million of part for capital improvements to fix the things that are wrong with the armory and part to operate and to operate programs. Little said the funds would come from COVID dollars set to expire in 2026. City commissioners have talked for years about repairing the center, also known as the Armory, which has been closed since 2009. Little said the city could be looking at a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to do so. With the Republicans in control of the House, I doubt very seriously we'll see anything like this anytime in the near future. The program would cover electricity, gas, security, and more for two years. The city would have to commit to it by September 30th of next year and spend all money by the end of 2026. Little said he envisions basketball or other sporting events at the center, along with computer education for residents. The committee took no action on the matter this week, but uh, more is likely coming. And Corwell Health's Lori's Place, a grief, healing, and education team, is hosting a pet remembrance celebration next month. Corwell says the free event will be facilitated by a bereavement coordinator aimed to provide a safe and supportive opportunity for people to connect and enjoy time with others whose pets have died. The gathering will be at Lori's Place September 1st from 4 to 5.30. Corwell Health Lori's Place Director of Bereavement Stephanie Kohler-Pagan says to many people, pets are family and their loss can have a great impact. 
The Pet Remembrance Celebration will give them a chance to honor, remember, and reflect on their dear pets. Space is limited, and an RSVP is required by August 25th. Anyone who wants to attend can call Lori's Place. WSJM at News now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News now continues, brought to you by Imperial Furniture and Dwozhak, where furniture shopping is fun. One week after the wildfires consumed so many homes on the Hawaiian island of Maui, many thousands are displaced. More than 1,000 people are still missing, and more than 100 people are confirmed dead. ABC's Melissa Adan has more from the district of Kula on Maui and tells us there are still fires burning there. When you're looking at how the firefighters are surrounding the fires, that is what basically identifies the containment level. So the county of Maui has been sharing their updates. For the Kula fire here, they're saying this is 80% contained. But what they also decided to do is that they separated an area here about 200 to 300 acres on top of another neighboring city called Olinda. A thousand acres there also burned. That is 85% contained. Nonprofits and volunteers in Maui have cobbled together countless improvised and urgent solutions since the deadliest wildfire in more than a century hit their community. Cami Irwin, who runs a military nonprofit, was coordinating donation distributions out of the tasting room of the Maui Brewing Company. Her organization learned last week 100 pounds of insulin was grounded at Kona International Airport on the Big Island. They spent several hours trying to link health officials with a general aviation pilot who could complete the medical delivery to their community. She was frustrated that volunteers were doing such vital work, but says, quote, we will be okay if us residents keep building together. Speaking of wildfires, residents of the capital of Canada's Northwest Territories are fleeing and approaching wildfire in a long convoy of cars while air evacuations are underway for those who can't leave by road. Fire was within 10 miles of the northern edge of Yellowknife on Wednesday. Residents of the city of 20,000 at its highest risk have been told to leave as soon as possible. Those in other areas should be out by noon tomorrow because strong north winds could push the fire toward the highway needed for evacuation. Canada has seen a record number of wildfires this year, with more than 5,700 of them burning more than 53,000 square miles. As of today, 1,053 wildfires were burning in Canada. More than half of them were out of control. The grand jurors who handed up the indictment against former President Donald Trump in Georgia are now being threatened. More from ABC's Aaron Katursky. Personal information of the Fulton County grand jurors is being shared online, and the sheriff now says he's working to track down the origin of threats. The sheriff also says he's taking these threats seriously and will respond to anything credible. The grand jury returned a 41-count indictment naming Trump and 18 co-defendants. Last week, a Texas woman was arrested over threats to kill the judge assigned to Trump's federal case in Washington, D.C., Trump himself has used social media to attack judges, prosecutors, and witnesses involved in all four of his prosecutions. Aaron Katursky, ABC News, New York. President Joe Biden has devoted the past several weeks to talking up the positive effects of his policies, but his efforts have yet to meaningfully register with the public. Only 36 percent of U.S. adults approve of Biden's handling of the economy, slightly lower than the 42 percent who approve of his overall performance. That's according to a new poll from the Associated Press Nork Center for Public Affairs Research. Both figures are close to where Biden's approval numbers have stood for about the past year and a half. Signs of an improving economic outlook have done little to sway how people feel about him as Biden could face his predecessor and 2020 opponent, Republican Donald Trump, in next year's election. An overnight Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals ruling wants new limits on access to the abortion pill Mifepristone, and it's likely pushing this fight 
all the way to the nation's highest court. Morph maybe sees Faith Abube. A federal judge siding with the conservative plaintiffs saying that the FDA's decision in 2016 to expand the use of mifepristone to 10 weeks gestation and then in 2021 further relaxing regulation went too far. Now we know this ruling doesn't take effect right away but it does set the stage for another Supreme Court battle over abortion. The drug maker meanwhile is saying that it's confident in the pill safety and effectiveness and also promises to fight the injunction. And what were the biggest mistakes in television history? Rolling Stone has a new list of them. ABC's Jason Nathanson has more. Coming in at number 50, you have the recent Jeopardy fiasco where producer Mike Richards named himself host, which lasted all of one day. Other blunders on Rolling Stone's list of TV's biggest mistakes include the 1990 ABC musical drama Cop Rock. Star Trek and Gilligan's Island, both being canceled after just three seasons. And the biggest mistakes? At number three, they list Fox passing on The Sopranos. Number two is NBC turning Donald Trump into a television titan. And number one is NBC canceling the much-loved show Freaks and Geeks before finishing season one. We just egged my little brother. Jason Adams on ABC News, Hollywood.